Hey there, it's Allison Carter. I'm the host of the podcast, Not Your Little Lady. Each episode features a woman living in the South outside of socially accepted norms. Listen and relate as these women share stories about obstacles they faced and how it feels to come out on the other side. We talk about things that pissed us off, the booze we like to drink, and historical women who have made a difference. Through all this, we explore the importance of women owning their past, present, and future while keeping it light and funny. You can find episodes, which are released every other Wednesday, on most podcast listening apps or at notyourlittlelady.com. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at ladiesofnyll and on Facebook and Instagram at notyourlittlelady. Happy listening, y'all. Ashley, how was your week? Um, good. Busy, but good. How was your week, Sally? My week was busy, too. Yeah. Took a lot of kids out? No, I did not remove any kids this week, thank God. Yay! Yay. So this week, guys, we have a special guest, my godmother, Sally, who's joining us because we're going to be talking about another garbage person. His name is Anthony Sowell. And if you remember a couple of years ago, he had a lot of bodies in his house, so we're going to discuss that. Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity, where two best friends tell each other stories about history, true crime, and other stories. I'm Courtney. I'm Ashley. And I'm Sally. And today we're talking about Anthony Sewell, who was a serial killer in East Cleveland. Yay! I feel like I should know this story, but the name is not really ringing many bells for me. Oh, you will remember. Um, So, just so you guys know... Sally is a sex crime social worker for Cuyahoga County in Cleveland. So you. I see it all. Yeah. Lots of things. Terry was a. Was he, he was a, a detective in the sex crimes unit in Cleveland police. Yeah. Was he. A, and he also was the lieutenant at one time. Yeah. Was he in this district? This, uh, was he in first district at this point or. I believe he was in first district when they found this, yes. So he was not in this district. No. (laughs) (laughs) I think think a house of horrors is not what you want to find. No, not at all. Well, not ideal, no. Okay, so Anthony Sewell was raised in East Cleveland. Um, He was one of seven to a single mother, Claudia Gertrude. Never a good good name, Gertrude. No. (laughs) Garrison. yeah, and he, there were also seven other children in the house because um, their mother had died. Uh, Gertrude, I'm going to just call her Gertrude because it's such a horrible can we, name. Can we call her Gertie? Please? Sure. Okay. Uh, so Gertie subjected not just, Gertie uh, often subjected the siblings to physical abuse and made her children watch. So, yeah. Nice lady. Wasn't there... There was a a story of a foster mom who, like, killed her foster daughter through her natural-born children, like, made them torture this kid because... Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's two sisters, and basically they starved her to death and, like, tattooed her and all that stuff. And her sister told the police, basically, like, she got them off to the side and says... If you get me out of here, I will tell you everything. Yeah. And yep. then we did. Yep. And it, I think the older kids were all put put away, mm-hmm. including the mom. Okay, so the most famous um, incident, Gertie forced uh, one of the kids to strip naked in front of the children and whipped her with electrical cords until she bled. 
as one does. Yeah. Um, Anthony wasn't beaten, but um, there were the twins, Ramona and Leona, um, but he lodged. And I think when they were be kind of teenagers, Sowell took Leona, um, Anthony took Leona up to, to the bedroom and um, repeatedly raped her almost every day. So, yeah. I wonder if we investigated that. She said she reported it to the um, authorities, but no one believed her. Oh. Mm-hmm. East Cleveland in the 70s? Yeah, I don't know what East Cleveland in the 70s was really like. No. Uh, at 19, Anthony entered the Marines. Awesome. Yep, and that's 1978. Of course, he had just uh, got a Shaw High School student pregnant. So, you know, he's a baby daddy on top of it. Yeah. Always a good time. I wonder if the Marines knew about that. I feel like I definitely, I definitely had a friend who, like, recently, in the last five years, was dating someone who signed up for the Air Force and, like, found out they were pregnant, so the Air Force made them get married before they let him ship out. But he had already signed his enlistment thing, so, like, he pretty much had to. Wow. That did not last very long, but. Yeah. I don't know what they they would do. I'm not sure. If he didn't tell them. Yeah. Maybe. Um, however, in September 1981, he, Anthony married a fellow Marine, and it was a civil ceremony. Uh, the woman said basically, um, well, she told her daughter that she married him because she was trying to help him out because he was basically an alcoholic. And her daughter said she didn't want him to get a dishonorable discharge. She was trying to get him through the Marines. And then she divorced him the day she got out in 1985. Short-lived marriage. Oh, very short. (laughs) However, he made it all the way up to corporal. And he had a seven-year Marine career. He got a good conduct medal with one-star service, a sea service deployment ribbon, a certificate of commendation, a meritus mass, and two letters of appreciation. Thanks, Marine. They pretty much loved him. They were like, (laughs) this guy, he's a good egg. No. Yeah. Um, So he returns to East Cleveland in January 1985 after he's discharged. And basically the area had changed, but Sowell just pretty much just got drunk and angry, according to his own admissions, which I love. He was just drunk and angry all the time. Um, at this point, East Cleveland is pretty much covered in crack, great time, and high crime rates. You have a lot of female addicts, so just tra- trafficking the streets to get that next hit. And think about this. So was already an alcoholic. He's just out of the Marines, and he's trying to um, avoid his responsibility of his seven-year-old class act. Sounds like a stellar situation, which is a really good environment to be in. Oh, yeah. So in 1988, he's arrested for domestic violence, and he served eight days in jail. Coincidentally. A really short time. 
well, it was probably misdemeanor domestic violence. Mm-hmm. They don't get very long sentences for that. No. Um, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So coincidentally, at the same time in East Cleveland, uh, three bodies of women were found, two suspected uh, drug users appeared near Sowell's Park Page Avenue home. So the first one was a 36-year-old who was found um, in her home on Hayden Avenue. She had been strangled. Uh, Carmilla Karen Prater, 27, had been found in an abandoned home on First Avenue, at pretty close to Rosalinda Gardner, the first victim. And uh, Carmela's death is a cause of death is unknown. A month later, another suspected drug user, Mary Thomas, was found in an abandoned building on First Avenue, and she had a red ribbon used to strangle her around her neck, still there. And none of the cases are solved, but I know they're pretty sure he did it. Yeah, I think so, probably. At this point. With his history looking back. Oh, yeah. Um, so then in July 1989, uh, Sowell met a woman at a Euclid Avenue motel, and she kind of didn't want to talk to the police because she was afraid she was going to be arrested because she was a suspected, like, had a record of drug use. Um, so we told her that her boyfriend's waiting at my house. Okay. About 500 yards away from the motel. I love the way the um, Play Dealer article phrased it. The boyfriend wasn't at Sowell's house, the woman told the police, but a bed was. Hmm. Hmm. We kind of all know where this is going. So he threw the woman on the bed, choked her, raped her all over. And when he, she tried to leave, Sowell bound her and stuffed a rag in her mouth. However, Sowell fell asleep because he had been drinking and she managed to escape. Um, she told police, he choked me real hard because my body started tingling and I really thought I was gonna die. When the grand jury indicted Sowell for the case, he did not show up to his court date and they could not find him. Excellent. I feel like that's not uncommon though. Oh, pretty typical. Yeah. Yeah, and I think East Cleveland police are pretty overwhelmed at certain points. Yeah. So, seven months later and four miles away, another woman accused Sowell of rape. And she said, this is in 1990, a 31-year-old woman told police she went to um, a house on East 71st Street and she sat beside Sowell on on a love seat and started drinking. However, Sowell got up, came behind her and started choking her and then just string like spewing obscenities um announcing that she was his bitch and she better learn to like it yeah nice that that escalated so quickly like they're just sitting next to each other drinking and then all of a sudden he's like assaulting her i think he didn't grow up with a good household and then it just got worse because nothing was dealt with yeah um, so he dragged her up upstairs by the neck and raped her every way you could imagine, even though the woman told her, told him she was five months pregnant and begged him to stop. No. 
Oh, it gets worse. It gets so much worse. Oh, no. Um, so in the police report, so all forcers say, yes, I, yes, sir, I liked it. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um, so, so well fell asleep again and the woman escaped and returned with the police when he was still sleeping. So one good thing, <laughs> one good thing. Um, so I was arrested, but charges for the second woman were never filed because they could not find her to testify. Probably also pretty common. Yeah. A lot of times victims don't want to follow through with the trial and all that. Because you have to bring everything back up and... And face your accuser in open court. Yeah. Just think about it. How would you like to talk about one of your sexual experiences? In front of a bunch of strangers? Right. Yeah. Um, However, they had Sol on the first rape case, and he was sentenced to jail. He pleaded guilty to the charge of rape, and he served 15 years in prison. So he did go to jail. I think the dogs are trying to come in again. (laughs) He gets out of prison in 2005, and the theory is he was going to try to help women with a a cocaine problem. He would offer them malt liquor. Mm, Yummy stuff. (laughs) Companionship and shelter from the streets. So Nice guy. But this is where the anger part comes in. If he thought you were betraying him, he would terrorize, attack, or rape them. And this is two women testified against this, I think, once he was arrested for serial killing. Yeah. I mean, it's one way to help with the cocaine problem, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Just attacking people? Yeah beat the addiction out of you. Good call. Yeah. Also, the prison determined that he was clean and sober and they the psychological evaluation before he left deemed him unlikely to rape again. Yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit. So he had to register as a sex offender, reporting to the Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office um, once a year for a pretty decent amount of time. Is it forever? Depends what kind of tier of sex offender he was. Um, Probably with the rape, he probably has to, he probably had to register forever the rest of his life. Good. Garbage person. Mm -hmm. You weren't kidding. Nope. If he was farther back in history, he could be part of our assholes of history segment. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, so then he rented out the home of his late father on Imperial Avenue, and this is basically the House of Horrors. The infamous House of Horrors. Yes, I have driven by it. I remember you told me you flipped it off. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Someone should. Um, well, it's no longer there, so you cannot. No. Um, and at this point, he... Sorry, you can flip the bird at the empty lot, though. <laughs> Didn't they put a park there? They did. They put a park there. Yeah, well, that's less charming then. Just flipping off a bunch of children. Never <laughs> <laughs> mind. As long as they're not like demon children. If they're demon children, flip them off and then drive away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So then he's starting to date women who are in this area. Um, one of the women that he dated was, okay, I cannot, Tanja? Tanja. Tanja. Yeah. Tanja Doss, um, who was involved with him and then later attacked by him. And she said in 2005, Sowell did not use crack. Um, they kept referring to him as Tone. That was his probably nickname on the street. Yeah. Anthony, Tony. Tone. Tone. No, like tone, like like a tone, like a sound tone. Yeah. That's how it's spelled. Yeah. That's Anthony. That's very common. Oh. I've never met anyone with a nickname Tone. Sorry, I have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you've met a lot of people with interesting nicknames. Yes. Um and basically he they would drink beer, play chess, which was not what I expected, and barbecued. And he claimed that his prison rap was for a crime committed by someone else. Typical story. I didn't do it. I didn't do it, no. Um it wasn't me. <laughs> oh yeah. And Dawes referred to him as he seemed like a regular human being. He had a little laughter in him. I mean, if anything, that just makes it scarier. Like That he could hide it? Yeah, that he could turn it off and on. Oh, yeah. Um, addition- yeah. Additionally, around this time, he began dating Lori Frazier, who is actually related to Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. Wow. I bet he's really excited about that connection to this story. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he just get reelected? Yes, he did get reelected. For fourth term? I think, yeah. Yeah. So the he old, survived this. Yes. The old FDR. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I like both the mayor and Frazier, who described herself as a former crack user, have admitted to the relationship between Frazier and Sowell, so uh-huh. they're not denying it. Okay. Yep. I mean, that's the only way to get out in front of it, though, is to be like, yeah, it's true. That's and true. Yeah. Move on. Um, and this relationship lasted until from 2005 until either 2007 or early 2008, but it's like conflicting statements about when exactly it ended. And she lived in the house with Sowell um, for a while, and she said, he took good care of me, good care of me. And he, I mean, at this point, you could say it was a pretty stable life. He had a job uh, as a rubber molder at Custom. A custom rubber corp and was called a good employee so pretty stable life yeah and now we're gonna get the criminal minds what was his trigger stressor <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um so in 2007 was pretty much the year everything turned when after this good relationship with Lori Frazier um they broke up and everyone pretty much thinks he was hung up for her on her for the next two years, which is kind of when all the murder happened. Oh. So we have, um, was it Ted Bundy kind of deal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except for he did not become a lawyer or a Republican and get really successful <laughs> and falsely like, propose to her and then be like, ha, ha, and then start murdering everyone. Right. <laughs> I will say, out of all the revenges, that is kind of great. (laughs) 
make you seem really motivated propose and then be like no just kidding fuck you um in july he didn't show up for work two days in a row and so the the custom rubber products corp fired him which kind of makes sense if you're not showing up and you're not calling yeah most places usually don't keep you on no so now he has lost his relationship and his job so he turns to collecting and selling scrap metal for money. Oh, that's a fun job. Yeah. Um, classy with a K. Yeah. Oh, so classy. <laughs> <laughs> and around May or June 2007, the first woman um, who it went missing, which is uh, Crystal Dozer. Um, so we see in July he's fired. And he's broken up with his girlfriend, and then the first woman goes missing. Also, in June of 2007, the first time the Imperial Avenue neighbors called their councilman to complain about an odor of decaying flesh. Mm, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I used to work with that councilman. He used to be a social worker like me. Oh, yeah, I remember you talking about yeah. that. Um, so, basically... The rotting bodies created such a bad stench that the neighbors blamed it on the adjacent sausage factory. It's never the sausage factory. It's never them. Yeah, I would think that rotting flesh does not smell anything like sausage. We never made sausage, and I kind of never want to. No. I mean, let's just say it is the sausage factory. What does that say about the sausage factory? <laughs> like... <laughs> It smells like dead things, but they keep on cranking it out. Yeah. Well, the owner the owner spent $20,000 on new plumbing and sewer lines to get rid of the smell, and it didn't go away. So even the owner was like, yeah, it's probably the sausage factory. <laughs> no, or, I think the owner was thinking it was something like the pipes were not good. They were old, no, and okay. smells were like leaking in or something. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, if the smell was still there after the fix, like he put all the money in, I'd be like, it's not the sausage. It's never the sausage place, <laughs> which is the title of this. It's never <laughs> the sausage place. <laughs> yes. I like it. When as soon as I decided to do that, I decided that the sausage angle was what we were going with for mm. this. Okay. <laughs> um, and now Seoul has become uh, incorporated into the scrap metal scavenging gang I'm going to go with yeah that goes around like they go into abandoned houses and torn like torn down homes to get copper and less precious metals so yay that seems like a great way to make money well copper is expensive yes it is um meanwhile on his street he's like the neighbor like a neighborhood regular he's friendly they have cookouts they hang out they have parties it's always the least suspecting ones. <laughs> um, among neighborhood wo women looking to kick it, smoke, cack, crack, and drink, Sowell was known to have a party place beyond the reach of his stepmother slash landlady, always what you want, Yes. Um, who could not climb the two flights of stairs to the third floor. So I'm guessing she's a heavier woman if she can't get Or maybe she's diabetic. Or disabled, or just yeah. arthritis, and... Anytime you have to go to a party on the third floor that's not an apartment, no. I mean, no. red flag. Red flag. 
we still have not made red flags. Uh, we need to. <laughs> we gotta get on that. <laughs> so basically, they determined since the late 1980s, uh, so all had started experiencing with drugs. Um, and pretty much after Sowell's release from prison in 2005, he started smoking crack, which always is a wondrous for your soul. Great for your skin. <laughs> yeah. You know, great for your teeth, I mm -hmm. bet. Great for your wallet. Just like <laughs> um, and by, all around. Yeah. Um, and by two, 2007, Sowell looked like a typical chronic crack abuser. You kind of can tell from his mugshot, too. Yes. <laughs> he looks great. Um, and basically, by 2009, um, Doss, who was the woman who dated him for a while, said, um, smoking crack and drinking basically is a formula for um, aggression. And it's medically backed up. Yay. Thanks, doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so at least two women voluntarily went with Sowell in 2009 for what they thought would be a good time, um, and suddenly it turned violent, shocking with the crack <laughs> and the alcohol. Right. They both had very similar tales in their police reports. And, um, Doss gave one interview, and... Uh, she reported that Sowell attacked her on April 21st, 2009, and another police report on September 27th involved a rape with a 36-year-old woman, um, and it pretty much kind of shows how these women died, basically. He had the same MO. Yeah, so the counters, basically, he would lure people um, with drugs and alcohol, to come to his house and you know it's her it's like oh we're just partying and then hey i have some extra crack and beer you want to come party yeah and if you if the beer or drugs ran out or um they said something so didn't like um Doss says in her case so slapped her choked her forced her to strip naked after he ran out of crack she curled up on a bed and then he left her alone the other case, um, uh, the woman told police that Sowell reacted violently after she asked him about another woman who said Sowell had attacked her. So he raped her and tightened an electrical cord around her neck until she passed out. And creepily, both women said he became uh, really calm after the attacks and offer them money, food, or clothing and watch them as they walked out the door. That's just so creepy. Well, apologetic serial killer. Yes. But he also got rid of his aggression, so he probably was feeling a little calmer. Yeah. Um, and basically, people who study serial killers say he has a growing appetite for violence. No shit. <laughs> no shit. He keeps attacking women because he runs out of crack or beer. Yeah. That doesn't go well. Um, so there was the woman in 2007 who was, um, whose body was later found at his house, but then there was a year-long gap. In 2008, four women linked him disappeared, and there was another woman who claimed he attacked her. 
All four bodies of the missing woman were found at her house at, at his house. Uh, the fifth woman was bleeding when she approached police and said, "So we'll." punched her in the head and demanded she take all her clothes off in December 2008. I mean, did they just never talk to him about all of these things or were they trying like well, a lot of these women that went there were like throwaway women. They were addicted, they were prostitutes, probably didn't yeah. really, you know, stay in touch with their family. Yeah. So that's a lot of it. Did you say you had one of the uh, one of the foster mothers I worked with, her daughter was one of the people killed by him. Mm. It's really sad. Yeah, I think pretty much most of the women, like some of the women, their families were looking for them, but because it's like this area where the cops are so overwhelmed that there's so many cases and yeah. not enough time. Yeah. Um, in 2009, there were eight women who were missing or attacked. Six women... Um, body, six women's bodies were found at Sola's house that went missing in that year. Um, two others were attacked. Doss, who said she was attacked by Sola, and then the woman he attacked um, September 22nd. However, it was October 29th when police uh, went to arrest him for the September 22nd case. He wasn't there, but what they found, and this is where you can go look at the pictures, It'll be up. These are all the pictures, and you can just scroll through them pretty much until you get to the basement, but of inside the house. That is a weird lamp. Can we just talk about that for a minute? Which one? So it's like a lady with a light bulb coming out oh, of the back. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird lamp, dude. I was just going with the creepy crawl space. Well, yeah, that too, but... That's definitely a murder pit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think they really sold that lamp like it was like that. No, <laughs> no not. It's like a creation. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just, it looked like they were just digging through the walls to determine... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know one of the detectives that went out to search it, and he said, ooh, did it stink in the house. Mm. Yeah. How did they, like, when you went in there to do stuff, how did you not notice the smell? Well, maybe the old lady that lived downstairs smelled. Or she, you lose a lot of your senses. Maybe she couldn't smell so well anymore. I don't know. Was she still living there? I think so. Because it looks like the base, like, the first floor is really, like, the... It's really, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm talking about the girls who went there. Can you smell that? Like, I'd get out. But they want their fix. And That's that might true. be stronger. I'm going with the basement is definitely the creepiest. Mm, yeah. It almost matches the Cleveland murder barn. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland murder barn. Bye. Yeah. But I tell you, that's right next to the Lake Farm Parks. Yeah, <laughs> you were saying that. How nice. <laughs> oh. So, basically, so Will saw all the commotion um, surrounding his house, and he asked for a ride back to his sister's house to elude arrest. And he told his neighbor, that girl made me do it. Nice. Well, there was, what, I think, like, almost 12 victims or something. Mm, yeah. They all made you do it? Um, so they found and arrested Sowell two days later on Halloween. And basically, the whole city was like, um, what? It's happening. 
and the rest of the world was like serial killer it's always great when it's not your city if there's a serial killer yeah this is interesting (laughs) and then you're like oh not so cool "Um, not fun so Seoul is charged with 11 counts of aggravated murder and over 70 counts of rape, kidnapping, tampering with evidence, and abuse of a corpse. I don't even want to know about that one. Nope. Nope. Um, and he pleaded guilty, pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, and then just changed it to not guilty. So after his conviction in t- December 2011, they demolished his house. And he's currently sitting on death row. He tried to appeal to the Supreme Court, and they said, uh, no. <laughs> like, the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, well, if you're on death row, what other choices do you have? <laughs> well, he's, he's exhausted all other, other all his appeals. Yeah, with the state. So he's like, Hail Mary, and they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> so he should be executed in 2020. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Well, I don't think I don't think anyone's gonna let him get out. Well, no, I don't think that you know they're gonna give him clemency, but you never know. I mean, he could die before then. You know, I'm sure he's not like a favorite person in jail. Right, that's true. Well, that or they may commute it because isn't there like a shortage on the injectable drugs for lethal injection right now? Still, right, yeah. So if they don't have enough to kill him by the least harmful means, they're not gonna. That good old cruel and unusual punishment thing. Let's just go back to hanging. If you do it properly, it's quick. Not <laughs> if you do no, it, if you like, right in the right thing, you snap the right neck. Right, it is. It's quick. Yeah. But I mean, do you really think they're going to take the time to measure each inmate that's eligible for that? And then no. adjust the gallows for each of them? And knowing what awful shit that everyone has done. Do you think they have a whole lot of incentive to make it quick other than the Eighth Amendment? Probably not. You just have the trap door. You don't have to measure it each time. But if they fall, it should be quick enough. I don't know. There was one state that was talking about bringing back the firing squad. Just do guillotine then. You can't live without a head. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, Courtney. France was doing it until the 1970s. Yeah, well. Yeah, but even France quit that, so. They loved it. Oh. Okay, so we're going to go through some of the victims. Um, one of the victims, the, one of the first victims identified was Tanya Carmichael. She was a 53-year-old African-American woman who disappeared in 2008. She was found in the, buried in the backyard and she had to be identified through DNA. And she had been reported missing in December 2008 by her mother. Um, the second victim identified was Talicia? Talicia. Um, Fortson, a 31-year-old African-American woman who disappeared um, five months earlier, so early 2009. She had been missing since June, um, but no one reported her missing until her mom heard about the dead bodies in Sowell's house. Mm. Um, three more were identified November 8th, 2009. Um, Crystal Dozer, a 38-year-old African-American woman who was missing in May 2007. 
She was a mother of seven children and had a criminal record and a history of drug abuse. Um, her family did report her missing to the Cleveland Police Department. Um, and this was not the first time she had gone missing, but the family accused the police of failing to investigate and they took it upon themselves to search for her. Then there's Amy um, Hunter, a 47-year-old African-American woman who was a beautician and mother of three. Um, she, again, had a criminal record and history of drug abuse. Um, she didn't live in the area, but went there frequently. And she was unable to use one of her arms from a previous injury. Again, her family did not report her missing. The police began to remove bodies. Um, the other one that we know a lot about was uh, Michelle Mason, who was 45, um, an African-American woman who was last seen in October 2008. And again, a mother with a criminal record and a history of drug abuse. And um, they had to, the police had to conduct a full investigation when her family reported her missing. So someone they were trying to look for. So we have some that they kind of just thought they were off on a bender. And, yeah, which is pretty common. Yeah. So that is the garbage person, Anthony Sowell. And we have images of the victims, which, I mean, it, he just seemed to be an opportunist for that. Oh, yeah. He did, I mean, the plain dealer has a lot of pictures of, from the trial and all of that, like, where the women were testifying against and That was, like, the creepiest thing because they're, like, showing how he attacked them. And he's sitting right there, and he looks, to tell you the truth, he kind of looks harmless. And mm -hmm. That's why he's creepier. Mm, so, yeah, I see what you mean. It's the sweater. It doesn't look, like... Kind of looks grandfatherly, I guess, a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't mm. say grandfatherly. But like, kind of like, I could see why they were lured into a false sense of security. So, I mean, he has like a face that you might naturally trust, but I don't know about mm. grandfatherly. Again, I think it's a sweater. I do. I think it's just the <laughs> <laughs> sweater. So yeah, we gotta find some more lighthearted topics. For real. <laughs> <laughs> We've done three very dark ones. Real dark over here. So do one where no one dies. <laughs> like, can we just do one, please? <laughs> I'll try. All right. Me too. The next two. No death. No, no death. death. <laughs> For like two. Is he okay? <laughs> so what do you think, Sally? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely did not hear about this. I don't know where, where I was. Were you living under <laughs> a rock? Under a rock, apparently. I think it was like kind of all over the country, the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was in. I was in the state. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> I would hear about that. To that, yeah, we would have been sophomores into junior year. Like, <laughs> yeah, I really don't I mean, know. You, we were both in high school, so you should have heard about it. Yeah, I don't wow. know. <laughs> At least there's no baby in a microwave, Ashley. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. That was the worst case you've ever told me. Yeah, and I heard about that one. So what does that tell you about this one? Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Cult of Domesticity. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Chorus, Spotify, and Podbean. If we're not on your preferred app, let us know so we can get on that.
rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It's really the best way to spread the word. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. God damn it, don't shake your head at me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't you have it up. Many, do you know how many files I just had to, like, folders I just had to back out of <laughs> from those pictures? Okay. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Domestic Podcasts and at The Cult of Domesticity on Instagram to get the episode tip off, recipe of the week, and additional information about the week's topics. If you'd like to suggest a recipe or a topic, you can email us at domesticpodcasts at gmail.com. High five. High five. <laughs> <laughs>